Welcome to Stay Engaged 2022. Everything you know and love about IAB Engage, but brought to you week by week. It's Engage, but offstage. Stay Engaged is hosted in partnership with Triple Lift, the essential marketplace that offers advertising solutions for every channel and every objective. The only major supply-side exchange designed to make advertising better for everyone, advertisers, publishers, and consumers. In this offstage audio session, Carrie Tilds, Chief Strategy and Operations Officer at Frameplay, shares her own personal story on how taking the leap into a gaming ad tech startup reshaped her understanding of the future of virtual experiences found in gaming and the metaverse. Carrie, over to you. I'm so thankful to share my personal story of why taking a leap from big roles like Chief Innovation Officer at Group M and SVP of Corporate Strategy at Ford Direct into a gaming ad tech startup reshaped my accelerated understanding of the future of virtual experiences like those found in gaming and the metaverse. I'm even more excited to talk about what the walk is between where the advertising world is today and where it needs to be in order to meet the consumer. Cutting to the chase, there is a seismic shift coming and a big gap. We've seen a seismic shift over the last several years in how consumers engage with digital technologies through their life, through their work, their play, entertainment, basically everything. The advertising industry has experienced this growth because of the consumer shift of new channels that they need to tap into, fueled again by all the adoptions of these technologies. We've seen in search new ways to find information, mobile apps, new ways to engage with digital content, social channels, new ways to communicate and share. Digital video has provided us new ways to consume stories mobile and digital photography, new ways to create content and share, video games. Obviously, digital play has changed uh, with cloud-based, internet-based. Everything has changed and grown and developed. Big data is surrounding all of those topics. Programmatic has helped us connect to all of these channels more efficiently and at scale. And in the last two years, especially with COVID, all of those activities with consumers have really sped up and adoption has increased because we were at home. And more so virtual meetings has created that blend or lack of blend between your work-life balance. So I could name many more in terms of the seismic shift that's happening already and the increase in consumers' usage of digital channels in every facet of their life. Entire generations, frankly, have experienced the world differently because of the availability and the shift in technology capabilities that I just spoke of and more. And the entire advertising industry has been evolving and changing to adjust to these shifts. Now, while the industry is still working on addressing the current shifts and connecting to consumers in a digital-first world, another seismic shift is on the horizon, the shift from Web 2.0 to Web 3.0. Before we get into what Web 2.0 and what Web 3.0 is, I'd like to share a bit about my personal story of why taking a leap from big roles like Chief Innovation Officer at Group M and SVP of Corporate Strategy at Ford Direct into a gaming ad tech startup, Frameplay, has fundamentally reshaped and accelerated my understanding of the future of virtual experiences like those found 
in gaming and the metaverse, and of course, Web3. I joined Frameplay on May 1, 2020, right in the early days of the COVID pandemic. What was I thinking? Before I get into why that has rocked my world, I'd love to share learnings from how shifting from Web 1.0 to 2.0 has shaped readiness for Web 3.0. For the first 10 years of my career, I worked at entertainment publications, which created more than 150 local coupon books for the purpose of selling them as a fundraiser. That's right. I said coupon books. Yay! In February of 2003, I was given the opportunity to work with one extremely brilliant solutions architect, developer named Michael Hoynia, and a month to figure out my plan. In April of 2003, we launched the first lead generation program. We tried lots of things, but search was a winning idea. We first launched with Overture, that's Yahoo!, and because the bidding system was very straightforward at the time and, you know, Google was still a little bit hard to figure out. For context, Google AdWords launched in October of 2000 and Google AdSense launched in March of 2003. Long story short, I won the President's Award from the CEO of the company for the work I had done in driving significant leads via the digital marketing and lead generation efforts. Here's the big takeaway. In this role, the biggest challenge I had to overcome was to explain to a coupon book company, all print-based, that they needed to invest in this new digital channel called Search. And that was what was driving the volume of leads for the U.S. and Canada sales teams. Thank you, Michael Hoynia, for providing the attribution system to prove our work. Soon thereafter, I was recruited by the people at PhD to start their search practice for them. They had significant clients like Daimler Chrysler, that's called Stellantis now, Charles Schwab, and Discovery Media Networks, just to name a few. At the agency, they knew they should engage with the search channel, but they didn't know how to plan in it. They didn't know context related to other channels. So second big lesson this is where I learned how to walk a planner from what they were doing currently and helping them understand how to carve out or justify search within the digital channel budgets. Within about a year and a half, I was recruited by Group M to join a brand new concept agency called Team Detroit. Now it's called GTB. I always joked a bit about this <laughs> new role. It was like an MTV reality show with the question of what happens when you put people in from six different agencies in one agency and watch them duke it out to see who controls what parts of the client work. If you recall during this time, 2007 to 2010, digital was exploding Apple iPhone launched in June of 2007. Google purchased YouTube in October of 2006 and really ramped up advertising in 2007. Facebook ads were unveiled in November of 2007. The first generation Android phone was launched in September of 2008. Also adding a little bit of terrible history to this time. It wasn't all rosy. We had a recession going on and multiple companies were taking government buyouts. Ford did not. But it wasn't a cakewalk. Those times were of significant digital growth, while at the same time, significant global economic challenges. Does this sound familiar? Think about what's going on today. Kind of sounds like exactly what's happening today. 
My role at Team Detroit as head of digital media operations was to take all six agencies' digital media planning, buying, and measurement practices, working with the overall planning, buying, and measurement teams to make one streamlined and disciplined digital media approach for Ford and Lincoln's brand and regional dealer strategies. The biggest lesson here was to stay focused. You could get really lost in the complexity of what was going on. It was to do our homework. It was to separate facts from emotion or hearsay, to be clear on our plans with all stakeholders. This is a huge change that was going on in light of significant economic challenges and reinforce we needed to be evolving towards this fast-growing consumer-led digital world. We were in the middle of a significant Web 2.0 growth. During my time at Team Detroit, I was recruited to work on reorienting the Mindshare Unilever digital teams and their work. Here's the question that came to my mind. What would I have to bring to the table that all these brilliant New York agency people couldn't provide? In hindsight, the biggest answer was new or different perspective, underpinned by experience and a disciplined innovation mindset. By 2010, I was recruited to Mindshare New York to run digital media operations for North America full-time. This role continued my work with Unilever, but also spread to the challenge of getting all of the leaders at Mindshare up-leveled in order to lead their clients through what was now a thriving digital media market. Sound familiar? The most notable experience in this time was to take 110 leaders to Silicon Valley to see Google and Facebook and Yahoo, to name a few. I still remember Yahoo specifically as Ali Dib rolled out the purple carpet, literally the carpet was purple, and had matching purple pants to go with the theme. The big learning at Mindshare was to get people to experience the world you want them to be passionate about. Also, very few people can pull off purple pants, but Ollie could. By 2012, I became the Chief Innovation Officer for Group M. I held that role for six years until 2018. The biggest challenge we worked through during this time was the continued rise of social, mobile, digital video, big data, programmatic, and the very early days of privacy. The biggest lesson I learned, and we all learned together, during this time period was that working with partners was the most important and also difficult aspect to get right. Everyone had a solution. But which solution should we trust? Whose data should we trust? How could we continue to lead our clients in the face of so much choice and information in the marketplace? This is where the practice of global channel discipline RFIs, partner reviews, and QBRs was just up-leveled completely. From 2010 to 2018, my office was in New York, but I still lived in Michigan. I lived in Michigan the whole time. And as a reminder, during those times, unlike today, being remote was not widely accepted at all. In 2018, I made the decision to leave Group M to go home and work in the state in which I lived. I missed my family. 
I was fortunate enough to get a job at a joint venture owned by Ford Motor Company called Ford Direct. The goal was to transform the current digital buying structure into a future-forward approach that would help Ford and the dealers win in the increasingly competitive automotive market, competition fueled by Tesla, Amazon, Carvana, the list goes on. During that time, we launched an in-house programmatic agency and aligned the dealers on how to use their first-party data to their advantage, collaborating with everyone from Google to the dealer-specific partner networks and everyone in between. The biggest challenge we faced was trying to transform the digital practice for the Ford and Lincoln dealers with foundations rooted in 118-year-old culture. Here's the big lesson. Politics can either propel or hamper innovation. In February 2020, I was actually let go from Ford Direct. Big shock to me. And the reason given to me was that they couldn't use my big brain. And of course, I knew it was coming. As there had been multiple rounds of restructures during my two-year tenure. That momentary challenge gave me the biggest gift, time to think, and what it would take to be successful in the digital world moving forward. The biggest lens I was looking through for my next role was to be in a place where I could be authentically me. The industry had seen a massive issue with authenticity in the approaches to connecting to consumers mired in data privacy, resulting in too much targeting, and frankly, within the way companies were engaging with their employees. What company and business sector would embrace my past experience and embrace me authentically with my leadership and experience skills? This was the question I had at hand. When I first spoke to the team at Frameplay about the opportunity to join the company, I called many advisors from the gaming space to help me understand why I should think about gaming, especially an in-game advertising startup. I mean, that was crazy. But the first thing I learned was that gaming is the biggest, highest quality cinematic content experience that requires the combination of creative and technology capabilities. Gaming requires you to be authentic. If you are not authentic, You can't work in gaming. I loved that. Further, I learned just how big the opportunity was in gaming. At that point in 2020, we weren't saying the words Web3 or Metaverse in our conversation. We simply looked at the market opportunity of the gaming space and just how underdeveloped the advertising ecosystem really was. The gaming channel was misunderstood and perceived as a low-quality opportunity when, in fact, it's just the opposite. Then in the fall of 2020 and into 2021, probably due to the absolutely insane use of the digital first channels in every aspect of our lives while we continue to hunker down at home, the concepts of the metaverse, NFTs, and Web3 started to just be everywhere. Gaming was also starting to be in more headlines and accepted into more discussions. The Cannes Lion Festival even announced gaming as a new award category in the fall of 2020. What each of these changes I've described have in common is something I call the walk. 
If you could see me, you'd see me air quotes. The walk is the journey of changing from one place to another. The title of this session is "How Gaming Inspires the Walk from Web Two to Web Three." Before we understand the walk, let's work through some definitions. Fabric Ventures. I love how they've described Web One, Two, and Three. Web one is, you know, foundations of early e-commerce, desktop browser access, dedicated infrastructure. Web two brought on social networks, mobile first, always on, cloud-driven computing, and Web three is really about AI services, decentralized architecture, edge computing, and of course, what we all love to talk about is things like the metaverse. Crypto and blockchain use cases, and you know, digital-only ownable experiences and assets. I'm sure you've been hearing more about the metaverse over the last six to twelve months than you ever have in your entire life. There are so many buzzwords constantly around. You know, all of the news articles and in the conferences, we're hearing about them relative to the metaverse, like NFTs, cryptocurrency, virtual events. These buzzwords or components don't apply to every situation, but they certainly are connected to this idea of the metaverse and the underpinning of the experiential part of Web 3.0. These components are in different states of maturity, though I have to say, and the application to the idea of the metaverse is very early on in its growth curve. To understand the metaverse, we internally often refer to a diagram floating around the internet called the seven layers of the metaverse. At the center of the idea of the metaverse, and you know the future experiences of Web three is the important point of infrastructure, which is essentially the technology that will support the connectivity of the metaverse, and of course, you know, Web three in its entirety. Once this has evolved, we do agree devices such as goggles and glasses and suits and omnidirectional treadmills, even, will need to become more widely adopted through commercially viable technologies. This is really the only way to support the immense requirements and promise of us about the metaverse and Web 3.0. We often struggle. Mostly about the idea of decentralization. There's so much to be developed to foster decentralization. Governments certainly are at odds with citizens around the concept of putting citizens at the center. For example, recently Biden administration issued an executive order to create a regulatory framework for digital currency. While this seems to affirm the potency of crypto, it's Kind of contradicts the decentralized purist position that the argument for cryptocurrency was to fend off government control. Much like how social networks works today, the future of Web 3.0 and you know ideas of the metaverse will allow content to be discoverable and lead to the experience of socialization, gaming, shopping, and other forms of entertainment. So, how does gaming inspire the future of everything I just discussed—the metaverse and Web 3.0? Let's look at some elements that are similar and different. First, gaming is already at scale, with more than three billion gamers globally. Gamer has trained an entire generation of people. 
to work, not work, but play. Sometimes they feel like work if you're playing a game that's about work in a virtual environment. Gaming has the ability to deliver trusted measurement to media planners, buyers, and measurement practitioners are ready to deliver media return what's needed today. Gaming is high quality content and functions with current computing infrastructure today. On the other hand, the idea of the metaverse still has some growth in new notions like interoperability. And the metaverse actually has some non-gaming components that are really fascinating, exciting, and interesting, but also has scalability limitations and the need for better infrastructure. Currently, metaverse-like worlds are predominantly low-poly or low-graphic quality. Of course, there's outliers, but not at scale. Both gaming and the future metaverse offer digital-only currency, digital assets, avatars, and a sense of community, a form of entertainment, and they'll both be built on game engines. These shared components are interesting and will influence future metaverse behavior, but dot, 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 the best way to prepare for the metaverse in the future of Web 3.0 is really to get gaming right, to start your strategy in gaming right. Why is gaming the gateway to the metaverse? Gaming teaches the world how to engage in virtual environments at scale today. It's an authentic form of entertainment, scalable, measurable, brand safe, and built on game engines already. When the future metaverse is fully realized, brands can leverage their intrinsic in-game strategies as a foundation. When brands do that, let's look back at the lessons I learned from the beginning of this talk, from the walk from Web 1 to Web 2, that absolutely are still applicable to the walk from the current state of Web 2, gaming, and the future of Web 3 and the metaverse. And here they are. To invest in new channels you don't yet understand, do your homework, gather the facts, be disciplined. Provide planners with a pathway for testing the channel, but make absolutely sure how the new channel is measured. Stay focused by carving out people, process, tools, and data to specifically address the new channel. Be purposeful to bring new perspective, experience, and a disciplined innovation mindset. In times of seismic shifts in the marketplace, it's incredibly important to work with partners, understanding their solutions thoroughly, their channel, their discipline, and do RFIs, do partner reviews, structure your discussions to get winning outcomes. Navigate the politics through the old school structures and the culture and the work to be done by finding champions who will give you air cover and support what you need. The hardest part is the politics, which either can propel or hamper innovation. Don't underestimate this. I hope some of the lessons I've learned can inspire you to lean into your own transition from Web 2 to Web 3. I hope you are inspired by the gaming industry and its requirement of authenticity. In Web3, this will also be a requirement. I hope you consider taking a leap into the gaming space in order to reshape and accelerate your understanding of the future of virtual experiences like those found in gaming and the metaverse and, of course, Web3. Thank you so much. 
Namaste. You're listening to Stay Engaged from IAB UK. Thank you for tuning in to this offstage audio session. And thanks to our partners at Triple Lift. If you've enjoyed this session, please share it and tag at IAB UK on Twitter or Instagram. Subscribe wherever you're listening to hear the rest of the Stay Engaged sessions and for the regular IAB UK podcast. In the next Stay Engaged offstage session, Magnites, Frank Schofield and Lorenzo Del Sepia discuss the future of omnichannel media buying, including the CTV market and the rise of AVOD, the depreciation of third-party cookies and the focus on measurement and audience identity. That's next on Stay Engaged.